Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here, and we have been treated to a whole week of gaslighting, misinformation, disinformation. We're gonna be taking a look at that, and today we are gonna be discussing myocarditis in the context of, well, this most recent event that we saw come out <clears throat> this past week. We had this bad news where Damar Hamlin fell down with a heart attack of some form, initiated by some cause here, right on the field of play. Millions of people saw it. It opened up a big, wide conversation, as it should. This is a very shocking thing. And our all of our thoughts, our, our prayers, we were really very worried. I was worried about DeMar. I mean, when you see what an incredible young man he was and the things he was doing and his energy, it was it's just a shame. And it's a shame anytime somebody young is stricken down early in life. Now, hey, but good news, it was uh, just today, uh, the day that I'm recording this, that he was released from the hospital. So that's that's the best outcome we could have possibly hoped for, particularly after eight or nine minutes of CPR. I mean, this is um, potentially, uh, that could have turned out a lot worse. Now, I don't know what his long-term prognosis is. I haven't seen anything that's come out of the hospital. So it's still all speculation in terms of what might have happened, but of course, speculation did occur. And we were treated to all kinds of speculation. Now, I'm gonna to get to that in just a second. But the thing that comes up around this, we have to understand is, look, all of our institutions are failing us at this point in time, and we're being gaslit, and we're being treated very, very poorly. So, question becomes, what do we do about this? Here's a quick plug for our own seminar that we run every year at Peak Prosperity. We are gonna have just incredible speakers here at this time. You see Brett Weinstein, you see Pierre Corey, we got Robert Kiyosaki, Lynn Alden, Dave Collum, that's Evie down there. We got many other presenters, but the best part is we open up a set of Discord rooms where you get to hang out with your fellow tribe members for at least five days. We might open it up for seven this year. Biggest, most wonderful thing is you getting to talk with other people just like you around and after these particular amazing presentations, of course, but also with each other as you find each other and talk about whatever you wanna talk about. Last year, it was a huge hit. This year, it's gonna be a huge hit again. So come on by there if you wanna sign up. Uh, we still have early bird specials going on. And uh, if you're a member, of course, you get uh, very big discounts on the overall seminar. So back to the story at hand. We were treated to these awful doctors. Here's one, Dr. Brian Sutterer said, quote, what we saw happen tonight, so he was just responding to a, the video of the hit where number three, <clears throat> number 85 come together, number three being DeMar Hamlin, uh, of the bills falling down there. He said, what we saw happen tonight is not related to any sort of vaccines. It is almost certainly something called commotio cordis. And of course, when you really study commotio cordis and that specific blow to the heart at a very specific time, it comes from a fast, sharp strike with enough joules of energy to disrupt a very localized portion of the left ventricle enough to cause it to go into an electrical depolarization and stuttering or fluttering, which then is an arrhythmia that prevents the heart from actually beating which is a very bad thing. Now, he ruled that right away. It's like, oh yeah, it couldn't have been this rare thing. It must've been this even rarer thing because in all of NFL history, with millions of tackles being delivered, there have been exactly zero recorded cases of commotion cordis within an NFL player. Of course, these people are in peak condition. They're fully mature male adults, obviously, with a very thick chest wall. They've got great padding, especially these days. So. This doctor was saying, no, no, it wasn't 
this potentially rare thing over here, it's this even rarer thing, fits, right? Bad doctoring, uh, really awful stuff going on there. And um, here in uh, Fortune, they wrote here, this is very recent, uh, this is January 3rd, so this is coming you know, after the event here. And <clears throat> worst mainstream media blaming DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest on the COVID-19 vaccine is wildly and irresponsibly speculative, says expert. Love the expert. Quote, to be honest, it's way too early to speculate on a true cause of his cardiac arrest. There are a lot of theories, but you can't really make a diagnosis from a five second video, said Dr. Michael Emery, cardiologist and co-director, Sports Cardiology Center at Cleveland Clinic. I completely agree with that statement. That one is totally fine. It was way too early, and even now, we're still all speculating, but it's not too early to speculate. We can always guess. That's how science works. That's how we advance knowledge. Something happens, and we begin to formulate a set of probabilities for what we think might have occurred, right? It's cloudy out. It's raining. Our back is turned, but suddenly there's a bright light and a really loud, thunderous noise. We might suspect lightning because that would fit with the pattern of things. If we were inside a, a hall somewhere, we might suspect something different, right? So it's you always have the right to try and fit what you're seeing with the data you have and you perform a differential is what we'd call it in medicine. A differential is we're trying to differentiate between all the possible things it could be, and we, we create a laddered hierarchy of possibilities based on most likely to least likely. But you have to consider everything. That's science. So going back here, quote in yellow at the bottom, the suggested link between the COVID-19 vaccine and cardiac arrest is wildly and irresponsibly speculative from a very vocal minority. <clears throat> So, um, why is that wildly irresponsible? Um, why would that be wildly irresponsible? So we're gonna look at that and find out just how wild and irresponsible that may or may not be. Now, instantly, as soon as this thing happened, we had a lot of preformed conclusions come out right away. Again, commotio cordis is a very, very, very rare thing. It affects very, very few people. and of people of DeMar Hamlin's age, it's really, really even rarer than that. 15 deaths in the United States per year, almost all of those in 13 to 15 year old males uh, in playing in an unpadded way uh, on their chest wall where they get struck by something out, typically in a sport, baseball, hockey, things like that. At any rate, uh, Khalid uh, Ali Jabri, uh, doctor, maybe, it's Twitter, so you never quite know, but we'll assume it's real. My prayers are with Damar Hamlin. As an arrhythmia specialist, I believe the blow to his chest during a certain periodic period in the cardiac cycle triggered ventricular fibrillation, a condition called commotio cordis. It is not associated with pre-existing heart damage or COVID vaccines. Okay. Hmm. Dr. Christopher Madias from the New England Cardiac arrhythmia at Tufts Medical Center tells Morning Edition that DeMar Hamlin most likely experienced commotio cordis, a, blunt, a rare blunt chest blow that sent him into cardiac arrest. Most likely. So these are experts coming out saying this is what is most likely. Alif Rahman, MD, MPH, MBA says here, FYI, commotio cordis is not caused by COVID-19 vaccines or any other vaccine. So he's already jumped to the, we already know it's this, commotio cordis, and that is not caused by the vaccine. So it, the conclusion is now being used 
to justify the conclusion and another sort of a conclusion. So this is really, you want to talk wildly irresponsible. You would take the most rare, most unlikely possible outcome, and you would assign that to it. So we'll parse through all of this, and I'll show you just where the data actually lies, where it takes us on this particular journey. But just to continue it out a little bit, um, Professor Chris Samsarian writing, I think likely to be commotio cordis, a sudden impact on the chest during tackle at a specific time, outcome generally good, which it was in this case. Commotio cordis, often a deadly disturbance of heart's normal rhythm that occurs as a result of a blow to the chest directly over the heart. Now, Jim Dwyer, MD, said that. Nicholas uh, Condolian, another doctor, says same thing. It's a rare phenomenon, only 10 to 20 cases seen yearly. That's of deaths, by the way. Today, it is most commonly caused by blunt trauma to the chest during sports, causing a fatal arrhythmia. By blunt trauma, though, they're twisting this a little bit. It actually takes a very specific blow during a very particular part of the, si of the wave. So you've got the, the heart wave of an electrocardiogram as it's going through its normal cycle, right? Beep, beep. You see on the, all the, you know, beep, beep, the machine that goes like that, right? So during one little part of this, during a 20 millisecond window of the repolarization wave, at the tail end of the whole heartbeat, if you get struck right there in an exact right way on a specific part of the chest, right over a certain part of the left ventricle, that can cause this to happen. That's why it's exceedingly rare. It takes a very specific blow in a very specific piece of time. So it's rare. Now, does this fit with what we saw with a two large men with big shoulder pads distributing a very wide distributed force across the chest? No, it doesn't fit with it very well, and we don't have a lot of examples of how it could fit, but you see here, suddenly, you had this wall of conclusions. Three, two, one, go, which is some kind of a troll account down there, but, but certainly picking up and amplifying a trollish message says, almost every cardiologist believes, look at this, this is right on that same day, almost every cardiologist believes, starting with that appeal to authority, not just some authority, but almost every cardiologist believes that Buffalo Bill player DeMar Hamlin suffered commotio cordis. That happens to, to, to If you're pushing conspiracy theories about his cardiac arrest, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is a life. Uh, that's the left. The blue wave's got the Ukrainian flag. This is how they roll. They like to shame people. They want to smash you with authority, tell you that experts believe something your pretty little head isn't allowed to believe, and then try and shame you down and say, this is a life. Shame on you for thinking anything other than this thing I want you to think. Look, I'm going to speculate as commotio cordis over here. That's fine. But you speculating something else, now that's not fine, and I'm going to shame you for it. Right? So this is just uh, awful, awful stuff. None of this is science. None of this has anything to do with conducting a proper differential. None of this has anything to do with taking the known evidence and assembling it into a workable framework where we're treating each other like adults and we're coming up with a proper differential. So let's make that case a little bit better. Let's go there. Now, we saw lots and lots of irresponsible gaslighting like this. You know, here's another story that came out right away. Um, Jerome, this doctor who was not watching the game but looked at replays, Hey, so did I. Uh, said late Monday night, it appears he suffered from commotio cordis, right? Just on and on and on. There was this wall of doctors all saying the same thing within hours. And of course, they were upset too on the other side of this whole story that other people within hours were also speculating about something else such as vaccines. So let's see um, 
where we go with this. Now, mainstream media did a really, really bad job of this. They, they just did horrible, horrible stuff here. This is the Washington Post, which has done a lot of gaslighting, has done a lot of really, really shoddy reporting, has been a purveyor of massive amounts of misinformation, disinformation, and has never bothered to correct any of it around all of the COVID story so far. But they wrote here, uh, who is this? So Kat and Lauren here writing, saying COVID misinformation spikes in wake of DeMar Hamlin's on-field collapse. Some of the tweets racked up millions of views after the Elon Musk-owned company rolled back its COVID misinformation policies. Uh-oh, so this feels like a little bit like a little bit of a billionaire-on-billionaire catfight going on here, right? You got Jeff Bezos, Washington Post, duking it out with Elon Musk's Twitter. Uh-oh, this might just be... Um, you know, a little bill. This is how this is how billionaires fight. Yeah, it's just this is a slap. Anyway, quote: the baseless tweets began to circulate within minutes of Buffalo Bills safety Demar Hamlin's stunning collapse on the field during Monday Night Football. Anti-vaxxers and right-wing provocateurs sought to link the injury that left Hamlin in critical condition and the coronavirus vaccine without any evidence. Their claims built on years of coronavirus vaccine misinformation that has been seeded across social media. All right, so baseless. These tweets were baseless, meaning there was no evidence whatsoever. And they also said here, no evidence. So these baseless evidence-free tweets began to come out. So let's look at this and see if indeed we agree with this idea that completely baseless and that there was no evidence. First, now I'm going to turn to um, Dr. Kirk Milhone. He's a doctor, MD, PhD. This is during a Senate testimony hearing that came up recently. Ryan, go ahead, let's play this and listen in to Dr. Milhone. But we now know that there's a real risk from vaccine induced myocarditis. We now have data from multiple sources. The American Heart Association meetings this year from Dr. Lin, Dr. Wang writing for Cell Research, Dr. Avio. Uh, Avolio in clinical research all have elegantly shown that the spike protein, which the current mRNA vaccine products ask the body to make, are cardiotoxic and cause the heart to be inflamed. Let that sink in. The current public health plan is asking our own body to make a cardiotoxin. The spike protein sets in motion a cascade of events that activates platelets to form clots and inflames the blood vessels lining the heart and the heart muscle itself. Men 14 to 40 being at the highest risk. But most alarming was a recent study from Thailand that watched and tested adolescents before and after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. One in 40 people having their heart inflamed after vaccination is very Concerning. One in 40, according to the Thailand study. Now, what they found was they, they gave the vaccine and they measured certain parameters within, they did blood work and, and measured certain parameters within these uh, children that they were given the vaccines to. And they found elevated levels of something called troponin, which indicates that there was some sort of a damage to the heart. Now, whether that leads to myocarditis, can, and it, you would strongly suspect it might, but it doesn't necessarily lead to that, but it certainly says something happened to release troponin, which is a substance that's found inside cardiac cells. The way it gets outside of the cells 
is they break open. So at any rate, uh, it's not good when your heart cells are breaking open. So they found that in one in 40, that's not rare. That's the very opposite of rare. That's actually quite, quite frequent, particularly in something like this that we're talking about, like in medicine. So how about further, is this really baseless? Is, is there really no evidence? Is there nothing that the Washington Post reporters could have found if they Googled for a second? So here I am uh, Googling around very quickly and finding something in the Journal of the American Medical Association peer-reviewed JAMA back from June 24th of 2022. So it's been out there a little while. Title is Epidemiology of Myocarditis and Pericarditis Following mRNA Vaccination by Vaccine Product, Schedule, and Interdose Interval Among Adolescents and Adults in Ontario, Canada. So what did they find? They found here, if we go to Supplementary Table 5, I love the Supplementary Tables, that's where you find all the good stuff these days. They found that reported rates of myocarditis and pericarditis per million doses administered among males aged, let me get my drawing tool out here because I love to use this thing, males aged 18 to 24 years. So this is in the same age range that DeMar, he was 24. So they did it here by vaccine product as they mentioned before. So here's the Pfizer product, the BNT162B2, and then also they checked it against the Moderna product, 1273 here. So we see here reported rates of myocarditis per million doses, per million doses, not individuals, per million doses, is from a low of 11.1 here if they gave Pfizer with an interval of more than 56 days between doses because they're trying to answer the question, hey, if you give the doses and you give three weeks or four weeks, I mean, what's the right amount of time? And it turns out the closer you pack those two doses together, the worse the effect, which we can see here. So if the interval was um, right here was under 30 days, the rate was 94 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis per million doses. And for the Moderna shot, it spiked up to as high as 376 if the interval was less than 30 days. And what if you did a heterologous schedule, meaning you did a Pfizer and then a Moderna or a Moderna and then a Pfizer. You're doing one of this and then one of that. Because remember, they were like, it doesn't matter. You can mix and match. Well, actually, it does matter a lot. They didn't have any data for this combination. But if you did Pfizer first and then Moderna second and there was less than 30 days, you had 777 cases per million doses uh, administered like that. So with 15 million adult males in the US of that particular age range, that means you should expect a low of 680 to 11,655 cases, somewhere in that zone based on this data. This is evidence based, not baseless. This is a base of data. This comes to us from official sources in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It says this is something that happens and this is in a direct consequence as a direct consequence of the vaccines alone, period. This is well-established. This is well-established science. So when they say stuff like, you know, there's just, you know, absolutely baseless and there's absolutely no evidence down here, you know, without any evidence. Now, we do have evidence because this is how science works. You put things in proximity to each other. You say there was a loud noise and then there was a a, a brilliant flash of light and now this tree is on fire 
and I'm outside, and you can put all those together, and you can guess, you're, you didn't see the lightning hit, but you're safe to say, I can begin to stretch these things together, because that's how observation works, and that's how science works. All of science is based on observation. Not randomized controlled trials, as they would have you believe, but here even, these are peer-reviewed results. Okay, so I wouldn't say it's entirely baseless, but let's turn to the absolute king of science, Mr. Science himself. He is science. This is a recent interview. Obviously, uh, Anthony Fauci is now on retirement, but they dragged him back out. They pulled him on to CBS Mornings with uh, Major here, and let's, uh, Ryan, take this away. Let's see what the, I may stop you a few times as we go along here, but let's see how far I can make it. Dr. Fauci, I don't know if you saw it, but on Monday Night Football this week, DeMar Hamlin, a player for the Buffalo Bills, collapsed on the field. You're not an NFL expert, and you're not an expert on any cardiovascular issues the player might have had. But what I want to ask you about, Dr. Fauci, is, as I want to do in moments like that, I kept an eye on Twitter. And I can't tell you exactly how many minutes transpired, but it was less than 20 before people on Twitter began to say, well, clearly the vaccine caused his seizure. And that had a multiplier effect on Twitter, as these things tend to do. What's your reaction to that? Hold up well, um, first thing, notice the setup. So the, it's always important if you're trying to not be an actual reporter, which this guy clearly isn't, where you set up a straw man. Said, I saw that people were setting it up and saying all of Twitter, as if, as if Twitter's one homogenous voice, were saying this incident, this heart attack in DeMar Hamlin was caused by the vaccine. Now, what if some people were saying, hey, I think there might be a connection. They, they're not saying it was caused by, but he lumped, you see, you see that technique? He just lumped everybody together. He said, I went on Twitter and right away, Twitter was saying that this heart attack was caused by these vaccines. Not what I said. I said, hey, maybe we should look for a connection here. Hey, maybe we should start to notice some patterns here. Maybe we ought to connect the data we do have. Maybe this will take more investigation. Maybe we ought to do a proper differential and really think through all the things. Maybe we should wait for more data. All of that's true, but he just set it up and said, I went on Twitter and Twitter was saying that this was caused by, which you can knock down right away, right? Because obviously you can't say that, but we can say that, nor can we say it was, you know, commotio cordis was the cause of this. We can't say anything yet, but you won't find him dragging out a doctor saying, saying, Fauci, you know, all these people came out and started saying this was commotio cordis, it was caused by that. Boy, that really is horrifying, isn't it? He's not going to say that, but he is going to say this. My reaction is one of concern about... Isn't it horror? Borderline more than concern. Yeah, it, it's horror that misinformation and disinformation, uh, when you have a platform like social media that exponentially spreads in its best form, proper and important and value added information can spread, which is good. Yes. The thing as a public health person and as a physician and a scientist and my my identity as a physician is the thing that gets pained the most by that. Because what that means, Major, is that yet again, another conspiracy theory, complete nonsense, is going to have some people make a decision for themselves and their family not to get vaccinated, which hold up, may... Hold up, hold up, hold up, two things, two things. 
as a physician, he's pained. Now, it's true he got a medical degree from Cornell. It's true. He probably was a physician for a while, but it's also true he became chief of NAAID, which happened right before becoming director in 1984. So it's been a little while. It's been 40 years since he's ever seen. He's just, obviously, he's been a bureaucrat, not a physician. But I I understand, you know, I I guess I haven't been a scientist in a while, but I, I still would tell you I'm not pains me that he thinks that, that of himself as a physician, because I certainly don't think of him as a physician. I think of him as, as a, a power-wielding, power-hungry bureaucrat. But there's that. But now he's wielding around this baseless conspiracy theory. So as soon as I hear somebody say something's a conspiracy theory, I know that they're either trying to deflect me off of, of a trail, which possibly is more interesting, or they actually don't understand what they're talking about at this point in time. So it's just a, it's a way to sort of short circuit the conversation, divide the audience and try and minimize people. Because we saw when the nudge units were talking about how they were going to best promote the vaccines, they said, one of the things we want to do is we need to ostracize people or make them feel like they're going to be ostracized if they aren't part of the in crowd, right? They're not up on the current science or they maybe are, are not, um, going to be taken seriously by their friends anymore, or they're going to be seen as anti-intellectual or possibly not smart. So that's what he's trying to set up here. He's trying to say, listen, listen, Major, (laughs) as we all know, these things are safe and effective, even though that narrative is completely shredded at this point in time. So just uh, back that up a tiny bit. Let's just go through this conspiracy stuff again, because this is just, this is, this is really awful. And it's indefensible given the evidence we have right now as a physician is the thing that gets pained the most by that. Because what that means, Major, is that yet again, another conspiracy theory, complete nonsense, is going to have some people make a decision for themselves and their family not to get vaccinated, which may cost them their lives. So that's the thing that's so horrible about it. And if you want to go out spouting nonsense, conspiracy theories and spreading it all around, fine, except if it results in a person suffering and perhaps dying. And that's what happened. Hold on. Um, So I completely agree. It is very, very bad if you spread misinformation that causes people to die unnecessarily. Hmm? Right, Fauci? Remember? Early treatments? Do I have to go there? Vitamin D, right? A lot of things out there that could fall into that camp. But notice even here, three years into this, two full years into the vaccines, there's no nuance in this at this point in time. We understand now this isn't one size fits all. There are countries out there now that have forbidden the vaccine to be used below certain age ranges because they understand that the risk benefit profile no longer matches. This is not hard. The risk of dying from COVID goes up exponentially, stratospherically with age. It's almost zero or as close to zero as you can get below a certain age. And so that's not very subtle. This isn't very hard at this stage. It's not hard. The vaccines have an upside down risk benefit profile for younger people. Easily done, right? But no nuance from this guy, the godfather of science. (laughs) He's just going to go on with the whole thing. All right, let's see if I can finish this without butting in anymore. When disinformation disincentivizes people to get proper interventions for a threat like a pandemic. And in some of these instances, as you well know, Dr. Fauci, there is some shred of evidence, myocarditis, 
was related to vaccines. It is a heart issue. I'm not a doctor. You are. That's a shred right. of evidence. A very small shred. Right. What? And, and explain how then this can get conflated. Of course. In a very, very rare case, some of the mRNA vaccines can cause a self-limiting, almost invariably benign, inflammatory response in the heart, which generally resolves in a very short period of time. It is very, very rare. When you compare that with the negative effects on the heart by myocarditis or pericarditis, which is inflammation of either the heart muscle or the covering of the heart, and heart failure and heart medical problems, overwhelmingly COVID itself causes that in a dramatically higher rate than the relatively benign mild myocarditis that you might have with a vaccine, which is very, very rare. So that little thread of proof is that it is it possible that he was back. And the fact is someone came out I, and I just read this. I haven't validated it, but I've read that some physician came out and made the incorrect statement that he had just vaccinated this football player a week earlier to to add to the conspiracy that he was recently vaccinated. And therefore, that's why he collapsed on the field. When if you look at the film, it's clear that he had a very big, strong person's shoulder go into his chest, which clearly can cause a traumatic injury to the heart. And yet the conspiracy theory about this related to vaccine, you're right. It spread all over. And that's all been right, all right, all right, all right, all right. There were so many lies packed into that last little bit. So many lies that it's hard to get to them. Look at him. When, when Fauci smiles like that, I know that that's that's the smile of a of a panther. You know, this is a this is a person who just revels in spreading misinformation and lying for a purpose. And I understand what his purposes are. And I think I understand his motivations. Right. We all do. But. This idea that, look, it's very clear what happened was he got he got a he got hit in the chest and that caused a traumatic heart injury. And that's that's it. No, that's really not clear that this is what happened at all. Absolutely not. So you can't say that you can't say that just as nobody can come out and say it must have been this other, you know, must have been the vaccine as well. He was responding to that tweet that came out that was allegedly by a doctor that was debunked within minutes. So I didn't spread that one around because it was very clear that that was a fake account. Right. Um, so he's spreading some he didn't even bother to see if he was uh, spreading a, a real thing that he was going to then debunk. So he just debunked some bunk, which was great, except he didn't know he was debunking bunk because he didn't know it was bunk. So hey, yeah, it happens. Right. But then this idea that like, oh, it's just very, very rare. You know, I went back to my textbooks that I went through when I was in medical school because I took two years of medical school with my pathology degree. Then I went off into the lab and the other kids, uh, young adults went off and, and put stethoscopes around their necks and, and, and became doctors. Um, but those first two years I went through were the same. And I checked my books and I'm like, what is the scientific definition of very, very rare? You know what? I couldn't find it. This must be some of the new science has come out lately because that's not a quantitative number. Now, I just showed you some quantitative numbers that says up to 777 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis can be triggered per million vaccines. OK, so delivered. So that that's that's data. I don't consider that 
very, very rare. Not when we're talking about doing that within an age group of people, young men, who otherwise would have zero impact from COVID. So he also mixed it up and said, oh, we know that COVID itself causes myocarditis, pericarditis. This is old data that comes to us courtesy of the original circulating variants, alpha, gamma, delta, beta, all those, right? Those, those variants. We don't have equivalent data here around the Omicron variant, so that would be, again, some nuance. It would be important for somebody in his role to be familiar with, right? But to carry on with this whole idea, to say that um, this is self-limiting and mild. What is mild myocarditis? Myocarditis means you have white blood cells in your heart attacking it and making it die little piece at a time, right? There's no such thing as mild around that. It's like having a mild stroke or a mild case of death. It's just not good. In fact, let's look at two cases that came out. This is from early 19, 2021. So this, I believe, is in July. This comes from the New England Journal of Medicine. This is a letter that came in. This is way back early, early on in the vaccine delivery schedule. And they had two cases where they knew for a fact that case one, patient one and patient two had no history of, of COVID itself, were tested for COVID, had no COVID whatsoever, but had had the vaccines. Patient one, they had to actually do an endomyocardial biopsy, stick a needle in and pull out a little bit of this woman's heart tissue to see what's going on. All of these things, these dark dots in here, these are white blood cells in here doing something because they are responding to a threat they perceive in this woman's heart. And here you see at the end of these long arrows right here, these are red sorry, um, myocardiocytes, the, the muscle tissue that are breaking down. They're supposed to look like this, nice long things like that, right? This is a healthy, healthy-ish looking cell over here, but these are all, this is not good. And then the little arrowheads are showing that there are eosinophils in here, which are a type of white blood cell that come in and do a lot of damage um, when given the chance. This is patient two. This was a 42-year-old guy, came in, um, had a very acute myocarditis, died three days later. So mild, self-limiting. These are things that Fauci should know that these are two early cases that came out. These should have been sentinel warning flags right away in July of 2021 saying, oh my gosh, we better watch out for this. And of course, still here we are a year and a half after that. And Fauci's still trying to claim mild and self-limiting. So not cool. And here again, we see... Um, these are very, very damaged uh, blood cells in here. These are, I'm sorry, blood cells. I keep saying that, heart cells. These are very, very damaged. And these are all the white blood cells that are in here. And you can see all the infiltrates, all those little dark dots in there. That's a very unhealthy heart and it's got a lot of myocarditis in it. So that's what Fauci is saying. Now, let's say, now is uh, COVID is worse than the shots, he said. So COVID's worse than the shots. So let's take a quick peek at this. This comes to us from June of 2022. Again, this is in Nature, one of the preeminent journals out there, and the title is Age and Sex-Specific Risks of Myocarditis and Pericarditis Following COVID-19 Messenger RNA Vaccines. So what data did they find? So they only looked within seven days of getting the shots. And so again, we're gonna ask, is this really baseless? Is there no evidence? Because this is in Nature. This isn't some preprint that's, you know, going into 
some weird smallish journal. This is in Nature, so it's it got hopefully counts for something. Here we see males, and here we're looking at the mRNA vaccine from Moderna in the blue uh, triangles, and then in the red is the Pfizer. And here we see if <clears throat> there was no elevation, there would be at zero. So there's clearly some elevation in Pfizer, but the Moderna, woo, really quite strong response up here. Same for females. And this is only within seven days. Now, there are cases we know where people are getting struck 14 days later, a month later, two months later. So this is take this with a grain of salt because it's just seven days. But what did they find in this paper? They found that as they broke this up by all these different age groups down here, and they were comparing the Pfizer, the BNT here with the Moderna, the 1273. And here we see that the hazard ratio is as much as 44 times, as much as 45 times higher rates of myocarditis within these age groups compared to baseline. 45 times as much. Now, is that very, very rare? Is this mild? Is it self-limiting? You know, well, it was not self-limiting for these people. These, both these cases, one of them died. I mean, that's just as bad as it gets, right? And of course, we have hundreds of cases like this. This is professional mountain bike racer. This is Kyle Warner. He had a really, really bad run at this. And, uh, you know, I think you've seen him around on the news. He's been on um, uh, John Campbell's show. He's been on, he's been around a bit because he's, uh, I think he was at Senator Ron Johnson's hearings as well, because he's very, you know, this guy was a peak of his peak of peak of his conditioning. This guy was just a super machine crushing all sorts of uh, mountain bike records and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And um, his, his life came to complete halt. He had proceed um, postural orthostatic tachycardia, the POTS. Uh, he got um, pericarditis and he had reactive arthritis. He had a really bad run as a consequence of the shots. And none of this we would describe as very mild and self-limiting and very, very rare. These are all things that Fauci is still saying and is allowed to say, and that CBS is perfectly happy to spread that. This is misinformation, 100% guaranteed. This is world-class misinformation, lies, disinformation, and it potentially is hurting people. So everything that Fauci is worried about the other people doing, he's doing himself, which is the iron law of projection. When it comes to these folks who don't care about humans, don't care about lives, don't care about the consequences of their particular actions, they usually accuse you of doing the things that they themselves are doing most. And that's what Fauci's really a master at. And of course, a lot of people support him in that. And I don't understand that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, how should we be looking at this whole myocarditis thing? Well, we got some really important data that came out on January 4th. This is in circulation. This was really important data. You need to know this, okay? The title is Circulating Spike Protein Detected in Post-COVID-19 mRNA Vaccine Myocarditis. This comes to us out of uh, Mass General and Brigham and Women's. So this is uh, good stuff, you know, nice quality research center. And this is what they found in this paper. The results are these extensive antibody profiling and T-cell responses in the individuals who developed post-vaccine myocarditis were essentially indistinguishable from those of vaccinated control subjects, despite a modest increase in cytokine production, a notable finding that was markedly elevated that 
a notable finding was that markedly elevated levels of full-length spike protein at 33.9 plus or minus 22.4 picograms per mil unbound by antibodies were detected in the plasma of individuals with post-vaccine myocarditis, whereas no free spike was detected in asymptomatic vaccinated control subjects paired unpaired t-test p-value point less than 0.0001, highly significant finding. Let me translate that for you. You get the mRNA vaccine, you make the spike protein, your body is tricked into making the spike protein. It's out there, it is now circulating in the body, in the blood. Hopefully you have an antibody response because that's the whole point of making the spike protein. Your white blood cells, your immune system goes, oh, look at this foreign thing. Let me make antibodies to it. They make antibodies. The antibodies now stick to that spike protein. They also, hopefully, are sticking to wild-type spike protein when a coronavirus comes into you. The, car, you know, the COVID, SARS-CoV-2 virus comes in, and it, the antibodies stick to that too. Now, what they found here was that if you had those spike proteins and they were bound by antibodies, you didn't have myocarditis. But for some reason, some people who had high levels of these circulating spike proteins, but there were no antibodies on them for some reason, Maybe the immune system's defective. Maybe they're making them too fast to, to be bound. But whatever the reason is, they had free circulating spike protein. And as we know, the spike protein itself is a toxic protein. It hurts the endothelial cells. It hurts the heart muscle cells. It hurts the white blood cells. It's like it's a bad thing. So this spike protein, when it doesn't have an antibody bound on it, is now circulating. And these were associated with the myocarditis cases. So the question becomes, well, why aren't we testing for free spike protein? Obviously, we should. This is the kind of research that ought to have been done two or three years ago. All right, so that was their um, results right there. Conclusions. Immunoprofiling of vaccinated adolescents and young adults revealed that the mRNA-induced immune responses did not differ between individuals who developed myocarditis and individuals who did not. However free spike antigen was detected in the blood of adolescents and young adults who developed post-mRNA vaccine myocarditis, advancing insight into its potential underlying cause. That's careful science speak for, this is a pretty cool finding and we really ought to be looking at this much, much more carefully. So again, this idea that it's baseless and that there's no evidence, there is gobs of evidence that the MSM, the mainstream media, that Fauci, that... Uh, there are all these gatekeepers out there that they can't be bothered years into this whole mess to try and even begin to understand what these science papers are telling them, what the data is saying, what the evidence is saying. Instead, drawing a ring of defensiveness to try and say it's just evil conspiracy theorists who are anti-vaxxers who are just making baseless claims, right? That's all they can think to do at this point. They're sounding wild and desperate and crazed. And these people are actually the insane people in this story. These folks who are pretending as if all this data I just showed you doesn't exist, they're insane. They're lunatics. They're absolutely bonkers. And we shouldn't be spending any time listening to them, but they are losing credibility at such a fast rate that you would do well not to listen to them at all. In fact, we ought to mock them and we should laugh at them for being such dummies. Like, hey, listen, there's, you know, so we, we don't mind that sometimes, you know, takes people a little while to catch up, but to have a completely flat learning curve, it's embarrassing. 
You know, all you people who are journalists who graduated from nice, prestigious places like Columbia Journalism School, and you can't manage to, like, catch up with data that's, like, a year old or even know something about what you're writing about instead of just parroting something that you think you're supposed to write, that is shameful. Full stop. <laughs> just cut it out, right? So at any rate, um, that's what we see there. This is really exciting findings because right here it says, wow, hey, if we can just test for now there's a test free circulating unbound spike protein that would be the thing you would test for at least for this particular condition here which is myocarditis there are lots of other conditions which this may or may not correlate with but i'm pretty excited by maybe that this could explain more than just the myocarditis things we're seeing so let's take a look at that now another strange coincidence in life is this one we saw here that there was this huge spike in interest in myocarditis back when COVID was originally hitting. This is pre-vaccine. But right around here in May of 2021, there was this huge and sustained interest. And so we got to ask, what's all this about? Why are people suddenly so interested in this? Is, this um, is it just a confirmation bias? Is it that there was more media uptick? Is that because there's certain um, events? This obviously, this whole spike that's going to happen up here, this is from the Damar Hamlin case, but there's been a lot of interest. People are Googling this oftentimes. This is a, an important sort of a, well, it's a little, little coincidence here that this is happening and we might wanna wonder why so many people are suddenly interested in myocarditis. So, as I said, a proper differential for what happened on the field with Damar Hamlin would go something like this. We might say reasonably, based on evidence, that it could have been a vaccine-induced injury. It could have been a clot that was dislodged by the impact. It could have been myo or pericarditis, that um, a, a weakened heart that was then thrown into a ventricular fibrillation by exertion or excitement or the hit. It could have been something else we don't know yet. It could have been commotio cordis, could have just been random bad luck. That hit at that moment in that way could have been. It could have been triggered by an underlying and undiagnosed injury that he'd had. It's possible. A prior hit from a few weeks earlier that had weakened or damaged the heart, always possible. Could have been triggered by an undiagnosed genetic or developmental defect, possible. Potentially unlikely given how well studied the hearts are of all NFL players. Uh, they go through pretty rigorous testing, but always possible. Or it could have been commotio cordis itself triggered by a vaccine-induced heart injury. Maybe, maybe that's a thing we don't know about and we're about to find out about. Or it could have been something else entirely. And of course, we'd wanna run a lot of tests to see what we could rule in and what we could rule out. That would be a proper differential. That's what every doctor who was worth their salt, who was an actual doctor, should have been saying on day one, day two, day three, even now. That's the only possible way you can run something like this is to say, we're going to consider everything until we can rule things out. We'll leave them on the differential. Once we can rule things out, great. And then we're left with a smaller set of things that we can consider. That's all you can do in this business, right? So... At any rate, that was what a proper differential would have looked like. So as we close out here, I got one last example of uh, mainstream media malfeasance. This was an article that came out on January 6th by a Michael Hiltzik here out of the LA Times writing, the DeMar Hamlin injury provokes a wave of ignorant anti-vaccine propaganda. He wrote in here, this case has also provoked a wave of responses not so refreshing, utterly unfounded conjecture that his colleagues, that his collapse had something to do with the COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. You know, I remember this Hiltz, Hiltz, Hiltz guy. I remember him because he was the guy who wrote 
Mocking anti-vaxxers' deaths is ghoulish, yes, but necessary. And a little awkward for him potentially is that Gregory Yee, also working for the LA Times, just died suddenly. And his family says it was from some respiratory um, issue, but we don't have any more data than that. But uh, somehow there's the possibility here that um, these things are in fact connected. So who knows? But Michael Hiltzik is just um, a very non-scientific person. He's one of the people that if there is gonna be mocking, it's kind of for him because he doesn't understand and hasn't bothered to realize that utterly unfounded conjecture is stuff that's based on nothing at all. And in fact, if Michael would like to come on this program and explain to me how this is unfounded and conjectural or how any of the data I presented is unfounded or conjectural, I would be very interested to have that conversation because I'm not, I don't, I'm having trouble connecting those particular dots. I don't understand it. All right. Um, I am going to be going on to part two back at Peak Prosperity. We are going to be talking about this. This is brand new research stuff that's just coming out. We're developing it right now on the fly. I'll let you read what that is. If you want to come by Peak Prosperity, check it out. Love to see you there. Until next time, I'm Chris Martinson. We'll see you. Have a great weekend and rest of your week. Bye.